This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the World's Best Construction Podcast. I am Fred Mills, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Luke and Liam. And I've realised, guys, in the last week, this might be, recording these podcasts might be the highlight of my week. Um, which sets the bar pretty low, really, but do you, would you agree? Yeah, I agree, mate. I I, I don't know if you're, your wife, your, your wife obviously doesn't listen to these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> the highlight of my working week. See, already I'm like trying to clarify. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's um, 9 p.m. here, and uh, I'm here. I'm lively. I'm excited. So, I mean, it, it's it's high up on the list for me, mate. You've got about, so- you're on about four or five podcasts, aren't you? Yeah, mate. This, this is actually my 11th, um, so oh. it doesn't mean anything to me. So, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. This, this is a big part of my life, man. This is a big part of my life. Yeah, I love coming here and chatting some buildings and construction and occasionally getting things wrong and getting corrected by Fred. I, I love it, mate. I'm here for it all <laughs> day. It's go quiet and start um, staring at you like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what is he saying now? What, what am I going to have to edit out? Edit you, you always know when <laughs> Fred's worried, hey, he, he starts sort of shaking his head when you start talking and he's, he's worried something's going to slip out. <laughs> yeah. Or at first, I just go very quiet. Yeah. I just go very quiet and stop talking. Like, oh, hang on, Fred's gone quiet. <laughs> Something's <sum> up. <laughs> That's worrying. That's worrying. Yeah. How are you guys? You're right, Fred. You've been traveling a little bit, right? Yeah. New Orleans, uh, Louisiana this week, which is very exciting. Uh, out, here, out here for Procore's uh, Groundbreak event, which is cool. So yeah, always always somewhere, mate. Always, on a, always in transit is what I've realized. I'm uh, either on a plane, Honestly. train, bus, boat. It's all go. How are you? But is that, is that it for the year or are you going anywhere else? If only. There's a... Uh, it's a bit more of the year to go yet, mate. So it's the last, I think it's the last long haul trip currently planned. But you know, who knows? Things might come up. Who knows? <laughs> How are you doing? Who knows? How's your week been? Who knows? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Like I said last week, I bought a house, so I'm broke, and uh, <laughs> that means you can't do much. But it's the World Cup this month, isn't it? So looking forward to that. All right, it is. That. Yeah. When's that kick yeah. off? Um, like the twentieth or something. It's in my calendar. Are you going for England? Am I going for England? Come on, mate. <laughs> no, <laughs> mate. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who's going to win, mind you, but yeah. Liam, how are you, mate? You good? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, yeah, good week. I had a little long weekend. Uh, I had my birthday on Saturday, so I took Monday off. Um, yeah, it was nice, mate. Just went out to the beach, chilled out. It's beautiful. Yeah. Ready to. Been doing some DIY. Uh, 
Yeah, screwy screws and walls. <laughs> Mate, I am the yeah, I'm not the best handyman, nor nor do I enjoy it that much. Um, same. You're about to find out, I suppose, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Fred's going to come and help me build stuff at my new place. <laughs> That's what I heard. He's going to oh, yeah? come help me <laughs> assemble things. <laughs> <laughs> it could be arranged. It could be arranged. Just let me know if you want a <laughs> you want a construction influencer to come down and oversee yes. your little DIY yes, job. <laughs> Yes, specifically a topless one, please, Fred. Oh, mate. Fred, can you remember that time in uh, London at that summer last year when it was like 40 degrees and we were... Are you looking at me so... I, I have no idea what you're... I have no idea what you're about to say. That's why I'm looking at you like... Where, mate, it was so hot. Finish? It was so hot. No aircon in a in a in an English house. And I'm pretty sure, we, mate, we had a Zoom call with each other and we we're both sitting there topless having a meeting. Yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> the one that? time I've done that because I was like, oh, it's only Liam and I am too freaking hot to put a shirt on again for this <laughs> Zoom call. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You think about it every night. It's a, it's a, oh. mate, I screenshot them and sold them on eBay, mate. <laughs> <laughs> So, Fred, what are we talking about this week? <laughs> some of that's some of that's going to have to go. Uh, so, coming up this week, guys, we've got why India doesn't build skyscrapers. A big old video that came out on the B1M yesterday. Singapore's bamboo-inspired super tall skyscraper, which looks absolutely epic. A incredible new sports complex down in China, designed by Zaha Deed, which is everything you want it to be. The world's tallest 3D printed building over in Saudi Arabia, and some of your comments from this week. Let's go. So, first of this week, guys, we've got why India doesn't build skyscrapers. A pretty big video we brought out on the BM yesterday with a pretty old controversial title. This is all looking at the kind of lack of skyscrapers in India, despite it being a country with a massive population and a huge economy so uh, india's got second highest gdp in asia it's the world's second most populated country after china with 1.4 billion people living in it which is just as even even for someone from a pretty big country the uk with you know 64 million people in it 65 million people those numbers are difficult to get your head around it's a massive country, massive economy, but its buildings don't really match those stats. And the country has very few skyscrapers compared to other countries around it. What do you guys make of this? Do you know what, mate? Um, a, a big emphasis of this video was on the FSI. Yeah. Right? Um, and that is, remind me of what that stands for. What that's... <laughs> Explain that. Explain that to us, Fred. Because I, I was only aware of this sort of thing, I'll be honest, in like Manhattan. I wasn't aware that this was a thing elsewhere. It makes, and that's just me being ignorant, right? It makes complete sense that it exists elsewhere. But yeah, just quickly explain that for us. Yeah, so the FSI, and you might be wondering what you've tuned into here, is actually an incredibly exciting, interesting principle of planning law that underpins how most cities approach urban development, right? So the reason why India's not got many skyscrapers, just taking it back a bit, is there's a few reasons it's partly due to power supplies water infrastructure in the area being kind of insufficient to support them in certain locations but it mainly comes down to this thing called the fsi ratio which is the floor space index 
So yeah. the FSI is the ratio between the total amount of floor space a developer is allowed to construct relative to the plot of land that floor space is being built on. So like for, for a long time, Mumbai's FSI was 1.3, which was not very high at all. In 2022, it was then increased to between 2.5 to 5, depending on the exact location. But yeah. to give you a feel, like the FSI, that floor space index ratio, is much higher in other cities. So in Hong Kong, it's 12. In Manhattan, it's 15. In Tokyo, it's 20. And in Singapore, it's 25. So like the FSI across most of India, and particularly Mumbai, which is kind of its major, well, its only sort of real skyscraper city, is mm. very, very low. And that's kind of what's stinting development. And it's it's kept low for a whole host of reasons they say it's for health and safety they say it's to manage development spread and try and keep things under control but a lot of urban planners now are saying like you know this this is it's it's creating overcrowding it's creating urban sprawl uh if you increased your fsi you could help those issues you could help lower house prices um but the trouble is to do that you'd also have to invest in mass transportation systems you know roads networks wider infrastructure upgrades as well as those power upgrades i spoke about um there's also a bit of a cultural resistance to skyscrapers in india so yeah there's yeah. so many factors around this but yeah fsi mate is a is that little unknown rule that's kind of stunting india's skyline well skyscrapers don't necessarily equal quality of life right and it doesn't necessarily equal you know a good urban fabric and i think it's good to get that out the way now but it doesn't that's not an exclusive rule right it doesn't necessarily mean that what mumbai is doing at the moment equals good quality of life and that's sustainable that's how mumbai should continue to develop um there needs to be balance like with anything there needs to be balance there needs to be for balance. sort of a foot for balance there needs to be balance <laughs> and one one thing i noticed and you you mentioned it in 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 the video is decent urban planning, which would include, you know, like high rises mixed with new infrastructure, right? Metro, rail, decent public transport, reliable public transport would solve like a lot of issues in Mumbai, right? Because as well, another thing with Mumbai is that it's it's basically like a peninsula or an island, right? And, And because of that, space is limited so when you when you compare mumbai to other cities in a similar situation or with a similar situation hong kong or manhattan in new york you know it's it's kind of logical to build up yeah and there's a lot stopping it the cultural thing is interesting as well what you said because i always felt like there was a cultural thing in the uk against skyscrapers and a lot of people think like put your history hut on a lot of that that's come from like queen victoria's age right where at one point britain was going to build all these skyscrapers queen victoria didn't like kites so britain never built tall buildings it's it's as simple as that and there's always been sort of a negative perspective a negative thought process behind any sort of high-rise building and there still is by the way a lot of british people would rather live in a house than an apartment because it's part of that like kind of social kind of soft programming they've kind of been they've kind of been hardwired to think like that whereas actually that's not the case you can get a real real good balance yeah it's in, it re- really interesting to see this happening in mumbai one of the world's what like biggest cities 
Do you guys know, do you, do you have any idea of um, the current skyscrapers in Mumbai? Are they mainly residential or are they commercial spaces? It's kind of a mixture. I, I think, think they're mostly residential, aren't they? Yeah, they're residential. So I've actually got the list of tallest buildings in Mumbai at the moment on, on part of my screen. And they're all like residential, residential, residential. And what's crazy is how many have been built since 2020. 2020 really? onward, yeah. If you look at the tallest, like the top 10, you know, like I'd, I'd say eight out of 10 are going to be built 2020 onward. So, mm-hmm. and they say, you guys said that in the video, right? You're ch- they, they changed the rules recently on it. And we're kind of, Mumbai's expecting a sort of skyscraper boom because of those changes, right? Yeah, it goes to this kind of wider trend we're seeing around the world of generally populations are actually falling, but urban populations are growing. So people are moving out of rural areas, formerly industrialized areas, and typically moving into urban areas and cities. So we're seeing that lot of growth. That's really accelerated the last few years. In response to that, Mumbai, as I said, increased its FSI marginally, means nowhere near like the other kind of major cities in the world. And they're really starting mm. to see skyscrapers come up now. But you're right, it's interesting, Luke, because those places you mentioned before, you know, Hong Kong, Manhattan, they're very geographically constrained, but there's a really high desire to be in them for businesses and people and for people to come and, you know, and, and have a space in that city, which has given birth to the kind of proliferation of skyscrapers in those in those spaces, particularly those two cities, probably more than anywhere else in the world. Mumbai has the same geographical constraints. It's now getting the same really sort of urban drive, you know, the pressure constraints of people wanting to move into that city. It's going to be interesting seeing how yeah. that plays out in the years to come. But yeah, you know, the FSI is still pretty, still pretty limited there. And it's going to, I think it's going to take a while for it to be eased. And I don't think we're going to see Mumbai becoming New York anytime soon. I've got a question for because I think I know what Fred's answer to this would be, but I've got a question for Liam. <laughs> Liam, if if you were living in a big city like Mumbai or, or or wherever, right, would you live in a skyscraper? Yeah, absolutely. Why is that? Um, I think realistically, if you're in such a populated city, you'd want to be in your sort of own space, elevated. Away, you know what I mean? If that if that makes sense, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I agree. Would you, would you, Fred? Would you live in a skyscraper? Yeah, I've actually got two answers to this. So, uh, my me on my own, yes, would absolutely love to live in a skyscraper. I'd love to wake up every morning, make a cup of coffee in the kitchen, looking out at the built environment. I probably never leave. I just sit up there, looking down on the world, watching the world go by, looking at new development on the skyscraper. Yeah, you know, sorry, looking at new development on the skyline. I'd absolutely love it be brilliant mm. i think the mm. idea of driving in and parking in an underground basement getting a lift in the nice dry away from the rain straight up to your apartment absolute bliss you know uh i have two children so the practicalities of life mean that i would want to have a garden and some space to run around in and i can't want to get a dog and i want to take mm. a dog for a walk every day so there's kind of this alternate mm. universe that i live in where i'm extremely rich successful and single but uh I've, I've, that's not that's not the life I have, and I prefer the life I have right now. So, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I find um, living. I've always lived in sort of apartments in my in my um, adult years, and I've obviously like I said on this podcast, bought this house, moved in what a month ago. I still think I prefer an apartment just because of the convenience. Mm. Exactly what Fred's like saying. You know, you've got your own car space; it's sheltered. You don't have to worry about security. You're elevated off the ground. You've got great views. 
um, we had like a building handyman and come around and fix everything for you. You know, here you have to do it yourself. You have to maintain your house um, and, you know, upkeep everything. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would still – I would preferably live in an apartment now. I mean, I was even saying that to my missus now. Like, we, we've bought this little place that's on this, like, little quaint Edwardian sort of street in Lee. Oh. And um, – yeah, man, and I've I've wanted to live in a place like that for for a long time. But even we were out last night, and the car was out um, just outside, and we went back in the car, and we were like, "Oh man, the car's cold," because we're not used to going out in the car from like an outdoor place. Our car's always below in this park garage. <laughs> we, have, we have our dedicated space. We go exactly, basically, what you've just described, Fred, is our situation at the moment, and I adore it. And I don't think it's until people have either experienced it or maybe left it that they really appreciate just how, I don't know, how almost just like civilized the whole apartment thing can be when it's well executed and when it's well managed. Because then there is the other side of the spectrum where people just crack, crammed in like sardines to these blocks and it doesn't quite work. The building's not looked after. The corridors aren't clean. It's maybe cold and, you know, not run well. So there's definitely a way to do it, right? Um, and I think it's interesting. We, we've mentioned New York. New York seems to be a great comparison for like Mumbai in this video because of like geography and a, and, and a few different reasons. But, you know, Manhattan has tripled its surface area and floor space yep. because of high rises. Yep. Right. So it's literally like you've got another Manhattan and then another Manhattan on top of it, like a Big Mac. You've got the three <laughs> layers, bang, bang, bang. Right. And it's the fact that you can do that through engineering and construction. That is, that is mind blowing. That is mind-blowing that we, we're capable of doing that. And it feels like somewhere like Mumbai screaming out for that. The only thing is, of course, being that, you know, you don't necessarily want, like, all the working-class people to be driven out, yeah. you know. Uh, that's a really good point. Like, skyscrapers about. enable cities, particularly New York. You know, skyscrapers enabled New York to become New York, and then the skyscrapers kind of yeah. made New York as well. Like, if yeah, you described it then, if Manhattan had a third of its floor area for businesses and people and retail, the, the economy would be a third of its size, pretty much. You know, so it's this it's a huge, huge thing to think about. And, and the way skyscrapers can enable cities, can enable growth is phenomenal and i think that's that's a really big part of the conversation in mumbai at the minute i think part of the problem is you can't directly compare we talked about the cultural thing you can't directly compare the culture uh in mumbai to new york the us you know london europe the uk because it is a there's, there's different things there that, that drive the economy that drive uh how people like to live their lives so i'm conscious that you can't kind of directly compare stuff but yeah, it's interesting that there's there is this the the blindingly obvious thing to do to solve some Mumbai's issues is to upgrade uh, water and power infrastructure, build some public transport, and build some skyscrapers. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be happening. Yeah. I mean, I'm, just, I'm hearing myself saying it. Is that the right thing to do? Should we? You know, is reaching for building a metro, putting some skyscrapers up, always the right answer? Well, yeah, I mean Saudi Arabia would build the line, wouldn't they? <laughs> i know let's go for a 170 kilometer long 500 meter tall mirrored linear city 
Well, I think it's proven that it can work, or at least mixed-use development can work, right? Because the more, at the moment, Mumbai can only just spread out. That's all it can do. It can just sprawl, right? Because you can't go up. And so let's say if you work like a few miles away from where you work in Mumbai, and you know there's no public transport to get you there then that, you know it doesn't function does it right i'm sure there is a better solution and i'm sure you know i'm not necessarily qualified to fix this issue but we can observe right and yeah that's 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 what i that's what i've noticed and and for me i think it there needs to just be more rail and more transport and from you know the bit of research i've done i think there are loads of plans for more metro rails um, and they're all, they're they're either planned or they're under construction, so it's getting there. But you know these things take time. I mean, just looking at Mumbai, just looking at the B roll on the video, you can see how built up it is, and how mm. maybe sensitive it would be to just come in, knock down a neighbourhood, and crack on with rail. You know, it must be quite complex. Would it'd be interesting to see a um, how a skyscraper actually gets built uh, in downtown downtown Mumbai. You know what I mean with the dense population. Like we've done some videos in New York, and it was insane how they how they were doing it. Um, I can't imagine the process in in Mumbai. There you go, Fred. It's a video for uh, 2023, mate. <laughs> Definitely. Let's <laughs> do that. Let's do that in the bank. That's a nice one. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we've done it before. Like covering stuff in New York, where they've had to, you know, bring major bits of kit, bits of steel, bits of cladding um, in under cover of darkness when the you know when the roads are at their quietest you know to try and limit destruction as far as possible but a lot of these skyscrapers taking manhattan as an example build right up to the limits of their site boundaries they build right up to the to the pavement line the sidewalk line if you're in america sorry i'm using the wrong terminology but there's no there's no space on these sites and then bringing materials Mm. to them on time so you can crack on and keep building through a congested city through traffic with all the supply chain issues we've got globally right now as well is is incredibly challenging. And that's in the middle of a major city where you're guaranteed water, electric, and public transport for your staff and yeah. workers and labor to get there. Put all that, the same constraints, the same thing you're trying to build in the middle of Mumbai, you know, with the all that congestion, the amount of cars on the roads, the humidity, the temperatures, the as you say, the built up area around you, the lack of infrastructure. It's an extraordinarily complex task and uh yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's probably put a few teams off building these skyscrapers. <laughs> and it is it is noticeable, like the how how densely packed everything is, like around these skyscrapers, right? You might just have a slum, sort of, you know, a few blocks away, and then there's this like new sort of beautiful looking apartment skyscraper. I, I was actually talk- I photographed um, a wedding in the summer, and there was this um, lass there who actually lives in Mumbai. And she's she's a teacher out there, and she lives in this like apartment. She was showing me like all these photos of all these things. I was like, mate, like those views are incredible. Then like you know, a few photos more, and it's like, oh yeah, there's just a slum over there. And I was like, how do you feel about that? And she was like, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit weird. I'll be honest, but you you do kind of get used to it. But it is a very very odd feeling. But she was explaining how even some people like choose to live in those slums because they're closer to work. Mm right and so they've been offered maybe or maybe it's even cheaper for them to get new social or public housing or cheaper housing more toward the outside of the city but once they go there 
having a job or their current job isn't as feasible because they can't get into the city as easily because the public transport isn't there because the rail line doesn't exist yet and it's like oh mate this is it feels like you've got this huge problem and you're constantly playing catch up right and we it probably feels like that in london probably feels like that in new york or wherever mexico city but in mumbai man what a challenge what a difficult challenge but i do i do think they they will get there i do think they will get there i think india as like a country as an economy is sort of like a sleeping giant to be honest yeah that's the thing like no no city's ever finished is it there's always there's always new development new construction happening there's always uh economic cycles businesses moving on people moving on you know sites being redeveloped buildings being demolished it, it all, it's all happening all the time then you throw in the fact that there's urban planning and city planners kind of looking more broadly at how do we how do we improve the city how do we change restrictions or you know create regeneration zones how do we ease development yeah. in this area but restrict development in that area that stuff's changing all the time so no city's ever finished they're always continuously evolving there people are always sorry evolving people are always looking at them and going you know how can we improve xyz how can we move it forward in some way and it's it's where cities are on that journey i think obviously some of the big established cities in the world like tokyo london new york paris berlin you know, they're, they're major places that are further ahead than others. And then you compare it more mm. to some of the cities in developing countries and you see they've got further to go, in our opinion. But for them, there's there's huge bits of economic growth. There's massive lifestyle changes happening. It's Yeah, you can't really compare them, but yeah, every, every city's on a journey all the time. If, if Mumbai were to like up their FSI even more tomorrow, right? They're just like, yeah, we'll do a Singapore, and it's like twenty-five. Do you think the city could handle it right now? What do you guys think? I, I don't actually know, mate. I feel like the rail has to come first. I feel like infrastructure, public transit has to come first, maybe. Yeah, you're not really. Yeah, I think that's a that's a thing we cover a lot in these sort of dense cities, solving sort of the infrastructure issues to move the city around, get people around easier. Mm-hmm. what do you think fred i think it's interesting like if you ease the fsi tomorrow there would be developers and construction teams paid for by developers who could build skyscrapers very quickly and do it legally mm. uh, and get these buildings up there whether the city would like it or agree with it uh, is a completely different debate and in a way they wouldn't really have a say because if the laws are correct and being followed and developers are you know have the funds to do it then they don't really get a say in it. And that's where you get this kind of difference between the wealthy putting up big buildings and living in them and people who feel left behind that it doesn't really represent part of the city or that they feel pushed out in some way. So yeah, you can see where it's going. We've, we've, uh, we've walked this path before in other cities with other bits of development. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where it, where it pans out. That, that cultural aversion to skyscrapers is interesting because they haven't really had skyscrapers there before. So they've kind of lived a lot of mm. their, lives a lot of their economy a lot of their history has existed without these buildings there you mentioned london luke it was kind of the same in london and i think even today getting a new skyscraper built in london is pretty difficult it's got easier because there's more of them around now but every building that gets announced i mean particularly if it's straight like a tulip seems to be uh seems to get a lot of backlash from the old uh <laughs> old british public if um if they did build these residential skyscrapers and buy right these taller ones how much do you think the actual population could actually afford to buy them because last week we were discussing the um 
new city being built in Cairo. And well, I think the average house price was 50, 60,000 US dollars, something like uh, a lot more than the yearly mm. earnings for, for the average citizen. So how much, if they do build them, is it just for the, you know, is that just for people that can afford them and it's going to sort of create a bigger um, wealth gap? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things with this. There's there's the basic business case of a skyscraper. So if you, I'm going to make this very simple numbers here. If you spend a hundred million pounds building a skyscraper, you want to make a hundred million pound back over, maybe over a set period of time, 10, 20 years from renting it out to people, people buying flats, leases, you, you want to make your money back. So you're going to have to set the rate at a certain level to make your money back on the skyscraper you've just built. That's completely legitimate, understandable, makes sense. Otherwise, no one's going to build a building anywhere if they can't get the money back for it or get paid for it. Sometimes bank loans are involved in that as well. So it's a bank that finances up front and then gets paid back over time, all that kind of stuff. Where it changes is when the demand and the desire for space in a building starts to go way above the cost of having actually built it. So you could spend... 100 million building that skyscraper but sell the apartments in it for a grand total of 3 billion because there is just so much demand for people to want to come and live in that particular space now in new york for a view of central park in new york the demand is there there are ridiculously wealthy people in the world who will pay for a space in one of those apartments either for either as an investment or to live there it remains to be seen whether that's the case in mumbai so any skyscraper in Mumbai, they build it, the developer's going to want to make their money back. If it gets to the stage where suddenly the wealthy want to move to Mumbai and they see it as an investment in a growing city, developers can just put their prices as high as they want. You can you can sell a $100 million apartment, a $200 million apartment. There's an apartment in New York right now on the market for $250 million. You know, there isn't, oh my word. There's no limit, really. Oh, my word. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, and that's and that's we, we've we've talked about that at length, haven't we? In other episodes, and we've done other videos about it. The Battersea video comes to mind, where it's like, yeah, it's it's a hard, you know, balance to play, in it, you know, hard role to play. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. Doesn't seem fair, maybe, on the people who've lived there all their life that might get pushed out, but progress i suppose quote unquote progress whatever that looks like i don't know <laughs> yeah it's a big issue here isn't it it shows you how mm. construction development is is kind of a product of what's happening in our societies right now let us know what you think about this guys this is a obviously quite a big topic get your emails coming in podcast at the b1m.com we want to know your thoughts would you live in a skyscraper do you want a garden do you want to keep your car warm when you come out and you know, go into your apartment send us on your emails and we'll read them out next week So, also in the news this week, guys, we are going over to Singapore, a place that we described earlier with that crazy high FSI ratio of uh, of 25, where there have been plans unveiled for a new bamboo-inspired super-tall skyscraper that's set to become the tallest building in Singapore when it completes uh, in 2028, which is quite a long way off. But uh, very nice-looking. 8 Shenton Way is the name of it. It's 63 stories tall. We've got trees on buildings, guys. They're there in the render, planted across the levels. I think it looks really nice. I always love Singapore architecture. There's a lot of uh, it's there's, 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 there's a very big kind of garden city green theme going on in Singapore, and I think trees plus built environment looks looks good. You know, leaving aside the the maintenance, health, and safety and other issues, but uh, 
I like it. Do you guys agree with me? <laughs> I agree, mate, with um, your comment about uh, Singapore having uh, trees on buildings. I think it's, for me, it's the original city to have trees on buildings. So that gives, I give it the thumbs up. Very easy on the eye. I love it. Mm. I think I think you'd have great views there as well. A lot of glass, a lot of big openings, a lot of greenery. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, like 60s, kind of a 60s design, 60s architecture. It kind of reminds me of Centre Point in London. Oh, Centre yeah. Centre Point. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with the, big, with the big windows, right? The curved windows on the corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for me, it, it does look a bit mid-century. And the kind of like the, the design segments in the floors. Though, I, I, yeah, mm, I think it's yeah. definitely been updated. Though, yeah. I can see the center point, right? Oh no, I mean, yeah, no, definitely. I, I'm, I, I like it. By the way, I think it does it really well. And like you, like Liam said, like the whole garden in the city thing seems to suit Singapore. You know, it's like it's part of their vernacular. So it's like, yeah, it's it seems like it's a fad. At the moment, yeah. But I think here, yeah. I don't know. I think it kind of works, and and also like the greenery, the shrubbery would probably look good all year round in Singapore in a skyscraper yeah. like this. I'd imagine. Whereas in New York, you know, not so yeah. much. It's know. it's got ten thousand square meters of elevated um, public green space. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Pretty insane, right? God, that's, that's more than the entire footprint of the site. Check me out with the facts. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, mate. Go on, mate. <laughs> Big fan of the building. I like it. Yeah, this is beautiful. Yeah. This yeah. is beautiful. Good. There we go. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool. Sing- Singapore, do not like bash out some good stuff, don't they? Oh, yeah. You know, like, I'd love yeah. to visit. I'd really love to visit. And yeah, we should do a video on the skyscraper. Definitely. I mean, I like Ooh. it. I mean, I'm glad you guys agree. Uh, first time in a while that a project on also in the news has actually got a thumbs up all round on the B1M so congrats <laughs> to some good morons and Meryl we like this one we like this one good job guys uh, swinging over to China nearby uh, well sort of nearby in Asia at least we've got uh, the new Hangzhou International Sports Centre designed by Zaha Hadid Architects it's stadiums in China by Zaha Hadid so obviously it looks pretty epic looks pretty space age They've gone for it with this one. It's a new, as I said, sports complex thing. You've got a 60,000-seat football stadium, which has got an open-air pitch in the middle. There's a 19,000-seat indoor arena. There's an aquatic center with two pools, etc., etc., etc. It looks like it's being built in 2050, in the renders at least. I love it. I don't know what's going on with me, mm. but everything's RD put out. I just seem to love it. I need to find a try and find fault somewhere, surely. Do you guys agree? I think this is absolutely outstanding. Oh, they're going to go gorgeous. Absolutely, then. <laughs> it's almost—it's beyond a gorgeous. Mate. It's like gorgeous times three. I think this might be. Um, well, let's wait and see to you know when it's completed. But the idea, the finish, those just lines, those continuous mm. lines that just go around the site and and, and merge into other parts of the 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 uh, again of like the project the overall site. Oh my days! There's not a lot wrong with it, like you said. I think it's stunning. It's iconic. It's I'm envious. I'm envious, eh? Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd is it to the Tottenham there. Hotspur Stadium? I don't know. I don't know. But what is what is the Spurs Stadium, <laughs> mate? I think this is the this is the first uh, stadium you've actually liked on the podcast, Luke. You usually just slam them. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, mate, that FC Basel one. Basel. Oh, my days. <laughs> that literally looked like it could have been made in, like, an industrial estate in the 90s or something. It was dreadful. But this is, like, this, and even, it might just be the render, but even the way they would use, like, light at night time to mm. kind of, you know. Oh, no, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, as an effect, oh, my word, it is beautiful. Liam, do you like it, mate? I love it, mate. I love it. I think everything yeah. that Zaha's doing in China, like, as we keep featuring them on the podcast, all their work over there is just is just mind blowing. Yeah, I like how it's sort of ribbed. It kind of reminds me of like uh, a coastal line, like where the wind whips into the to the rock and sort of shapes it. Yeah, you know, that kind of yeah. wavy kind of granular look. Yeah, that's exactly what you mean. Yeah, no, that's a good call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good call. Some big old budgets. To to China. There's so, so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Some, some, some big old budgets been thrown around in China right now. And when you throw in Zaha D mm. plus a desire from the government to build huge landmark architecture, you get you get some very nice looking stuff. Obviously, a few issues behind the construction of it, which we've spoken about before. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it looks just amazing, doesn't it? It's like a spaceship has landed. It's like we're living in the future. Mm. And the thing is, with Zaha, the renders will look like the building because they do such a good job of leading project teams through the execution and making it look. Well, I say that they do a good job of making the building look like the render. Whether whether getting there is a fun process for the project team or not, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they thought they'd make it look make it look good. Beautiful, beautiful site, beautiful render. Yeah, very, very impressed. Zaha Hadid, man. And you notice like how China are making more of these like low rise landmark buildings as opposed to landmark skyscrapers, right? Since they kind of have given all the big skyscrapers a haircut right they've said now nah, we're not going bu- to we're not going to build these super tools anymore um there's definitely been more of an effort in making these sort of it, it, buildings for the public right not just offices these are buildings for like that i don't know like art galleries museums football uh pitches or stadiums whatever yeah that's what i've noticed anyway could be just a coincidence yeah i mean loads of comments mm-hmm. as well like just on our instagram zaha d never misses a beat love their designs china's like move over world we're zaha d's number one fan right here <laughs> great futuristic <laughs> design so beautiful china's gonna host the world cup soon at this rate yeah lo- loads lots of nice stuff in there about it um china is playing sim city in real life <laughs> yeah some inter- interesting feedback on yeah all. it does it does feel it does feel like that sometimes. Like every week, we're talking about an amazing project from China. Um, yeah, definitely feels like sort of a construction renaissance going on over there. So yeah, man, it's it's beautiful, beautiful. On that note, we're also over to our regular visit, our weekly visit to Saudi Arabia. Now we've got another Saudi Arabian project <laughs> come through <laughs> on this week's also in the news. Um, worth to say, I mean, I like I appreciate the engineering and the innovation and the breakthroughs that are going into the tech behind this but uh not not quite as ambitious as the line or the winter olympic in the desert thing they're building uh they've basically constructed the world's i've got to get this right because there's a technical definition of this right the world's tallest on-site 3d printed building right so they've, they've basically built the tallest 3d printed building in the world but don't get too excited because it's only 9.9 meters high it's a three-story villa uh, designed by a Saudi Arabian real estate developer using a Cobod 3D construction printer. Uh, it doesn't look good, basically, as as all 3D printed buildings. It looks it looks pretty 
pretty blocky and uh, and unexciting, <laughs> but it's notable because it's the tallest 3D printed building in the world. I mean, are there going to be more of them? Probably not. Are they going to be taller? Doubt it. They built it in the desert in 40 degrees. <laughs> what do you guys think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a review. I was really... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're, we're, I felt there. like we we're on stop such there, a roll. I was like, "Stop that, oh, mate!" You know, you said it all. We're on a roll. I get to that, it's like, "Wow, wow, wow!" Yeah, How about right. you, Luke? Yeah, all right. Is that you're you're done, done man? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Review over. <laughs> I mean, on on paper, this is pretty impressive, right? Because you could like you you could multiply this by like. Uh, you know, a few hundred, and suddenly you can house like a few hundred families. You know, and it looks no, like no, quite a sizable little That's the problem. You can't, you can't multiply it. Like they can't, they can't scale three D printing for houses at the minute. It's a nightmare. Like, what do you, you mean? Well, you say that they could. That this is like the answer to housing. They could multiply this a hundred times. The the time, yeah. energy, and effort it takes to three D print a building at the minute just isn't doesn't make it viable for mass production. There's very few places in the world doing it effectively. So. Well, I'll tell you what, though, Fred. I was watching a video earlier about... It was BBC Throwback, right? Or Retro, whatever it's called. And they were like, oh, um, we're like... We're, people are sending photos and text messages, messages for the first time. <laughs> and people were like, wow, like that's a crazy concept. Who would have thought... This was like back in like the early 2000s or something. And there were people saying, yeah, but it's going to be too expensive. Right, because networks charge this and bloody bloody blah, 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 and this is just a common trope in like technology is that usually people go, oh yeah, right now it's not feasible, and that's and that's true, right? Right now it's not feasible, but in the future, you know, the fact that we can do this first little step now means that you know why couldn't we in in the future use a bit of imagination, you know. If you would, if you would have said, like in two thousand and one, to yourself, you ha- you would have a more powerful computer in your pocket every single day than like the huge, giant brick computers we had back in the early two thousands, then you'd you'd probably be a little bit dubious, especially if you could say like, oh yeah, we can FaceTime on it, we can watch this thing called YouTube on it, and and watch uh, the beautiful Fred Mills talk about buildings on it and stuff. People would be like, what are you talking about? But twenty years later, we can do that. So. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's I keep, just you're right. I, <laughs> I, and also, I'm the bloke who um who who didn't want my iPod and phone to merge. I was like, oh, why would I want music on my phone? That sounds sounds rubbish. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought the iPhone was a bad idea, as we established in a previous episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, oh. I, well, I mean, as at the minute, 3D printing for buildings mm. isn't working. It's got it's got a bit of a way to go. But yeah, yeah, it has because it does look a bit rubbish, doesn't it? Yeah, like it looks a bit biblical. Like it's from mm. like if they discovered this house in the middle of a desert, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, this is uh, an old uh, villa where like these old Israelites used to live." Or I'm like, "Oh yeah, that makes that sounds about right," but <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't look great, does it? Doesn't look great. No. Also, not a lot of comments on this one across our social media. Probably probably in line with Liam's, <laughs> no, Liam's verdict. People are like. <laughs> Yeah, it's like putting a dead yeah. cat on the table, isn't it, really? I mean, <laughs> a bit unexciting. Well, I threw it in. I threw it in alongside a Zahadi Stadium and an incredible Skidmore, Owens & Merrill skyscraper in Singapore for balance. Yeah, For balance. Well done, Fred. For balance. <laughs> Good man. Good man. Good man.
mate, just looking at the comments, I wanted to bring something up. Um, obviously, we were a little bit harsh on the uh, the new city being built in Cairo last week, and I know we we're a bit mm. worried if we if we were a bit too, yeah, a bit a bit too to the point, I suppose. Um, mm. But I'm just I've just been looking at some comments on last week's video. Um, which it's, it's good to see because they kind of a lot of the viewers agree with us. Someone's commented, "We could improve Cairo's infrastructure and people's living conditions, or we build a skyscraper," which is exactly what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that there were a lot of people on like socials commenting that sort of thing, saying, "Yeah, it's good." It's and I think there were a lot of people like that are proud of this project as well, right? In Egypt or maybe in Africa. They were like, oh, it's, it's amazing to see this sort of construction happening in our like hometown, our home continent, whatever. But there was a good chunk of people saying, yeah, this is not what Egypt needs right now. Mm. Um, yeah, but there we go. There we go. Interesting, though. It's, it's good to get like opinions from all different people, especially people that live there, right? Yeah, and especially on stuff this profound, this that has this big an impact that's using that much government, government resource and money and and time and effort from that nation and other nations. Yeah. Just ignore that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. What should we we wrap up with? (laughs) Uh, Podcast guys, subscribe. Just wrap up. Wrap up and tell everyone to leave a review, Fred. Because we get tons of reviews on Spotify, but not as many on Apple. Yeah. And we know you listen. Cool, that's bring us to the end of this week's podcast, guys. What are you guys off to do this week? I know Liam's off to do some more uh, more screwing and drilling and putting things up. You've hit the nail on the head there, mate. Hey. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 How about you, yep. Luke? I'm sh- oh, no, call Liam, call Liam. Call Liam. Call mate, no, on, no, no, that's it, that's it, move on. That's it. What about yep. you, Luke? <laughs> I, just got, I just got family coming down from Birmingham. Uh, uh, and that's it, mate. That's it. Probably counting my pennies, all, all, all twelve of them I got left. <laughs> oh well. Cool. Well, let us know what you thought about this episode, guys. Uh, let us know what you think about India's kind of lack of skyscrapers, the new bamboo-inspired tower, super tall skyscraper down in Singapore, China's incredible new sports stadium designed by Zaha Deed, and the world's tallest 3D printed building, which is also pretty ugly and unexciting. Let us know what you think about that. Get your comments coming in across social media. Send us your emails, podcast at the B1M.com, and we will see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>